Are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cammy, and I'm joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-C-T-E-R. And we're here to talk about <laughs> 21st episode of the 11th final season of The Walking Dead titled Outpost <laughs> <Elpus> 22. <laughs> <laughs> I made myself laugh. I made myself laugh. It's fine. It's fine. There's a sale on our merch store. Obviously, if you head over to squawkingdead.com, click the menu in the top left and click merch. The sale will automatically show up. We have our new logo designs. We have our new art designs. Check them out. See if you like them. And if you don't, don't tell us. I don't want to know. We don't care. I'm in denial. Yeah, exactly. Keep your our moms to love your it. I told self. you this already. Our moms love the designs. It's all we care about. We need our parents' approval. Okay. That's it. Yeah. And I need their parents' approval. So, <laughs> and I got it. So there we go. Show it to your mom. I want to know what your mom thinks. Yeah. Yeah. We only care what She's your like, moms what? think. I mean, listener. What the hell is a squawking dead? Anyway. So also, <laughs> if you want to support us, head over to PhineasCoffee.com and hear a Q commercial. Are you like me in the morning? Half dead. Phineas Coffee will give you that boost to get you up and keep going. That'd have meaning, right? Dave and his wife enjoy the Champion and Majora blends with beans from South America. And if you're a real freak like Cosmo Mom 09, Rachel B. No way! You'll enjoy the Double XL High Calf blend with beans from Tanzania and India. Go to PhineasCoffee.com and use the promo code SQUAWKINGDEAD to get 10% off your next purchase. Pardon me, young man. Excuse the shit out of my god damn French. And now back to Squawking Dead. I wanted to also say, I'm sorry, Sharon, do you you want to talk about Blaze? Oh, yeah. One of my dogs, my namesake, Blazy, passed away the other night unexpectedly. You know, he wasn't really sick thing, but I'm a little upset about it still, Uh, but I'm hoping this weekend will cheer me up a little. Yeah, me too. Me too. We need your friends. He's 13 and he's a lab, so that's, that's a pretty advanced age for a Labrador. And we still have his two rotten sisters who did not care at all that he died they were like yeah whatever bye more food for us more food for us yeah exactly still team animals no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> obviously i'm kidding he was their irritating little brother so they're like yeah whatever bye see ya talk about underdog yeah. but thank you dave yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all right it's just it's just very sad we've had him literally since the day he was born we had his mom and, and his dad and it was just a little unexpected bummer yeah. Well, I'm so sorry. And um, that seems to be going around a lot lately, the bummers. It's the cycle, right? It's good, and then it's bad, and then it's good, and then it's bad. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Autumn. You got to roll with the bad till you get to the good. Well, we're in the autumn season now, too. So, like, it's a uh, year of harvest. And maybe he was scooped up at the right time. I, I hate to say that, obviously, but he's had a long life, right? Long enough. Yeah. All of our dogs are seniors. Um, all the dogs we've had for the past few years, they, they've all been 10 years or older when they passed away. So in the past three years, we've lost four. But like I said, they, the, the youngest was 10 when they passed away. So that's still pretty pretty advanced for the bigger it's breed. long dog life. Mm-hmm. It's easier, but you know, I know that he had a good, happy, spoiled ass, rotten, <laughs> rotten life. Yeah, because he had you. <laughs> <laughs> Love. Mm-hmm. It's a Blazy Hearts. It was, it, he was my namesake. He was where I got Blazy Gardner from. So, this Blazy boy. 
And that's how he'll always be remembered. How about that? What a way to remember Blaze. <laughs> I mean, right? It's that's it's not going to change anytime soon. So there you go. That's special. I actually wanted to check in with Rachel also just to see how you're doing. I've been waiting for a decent day so I can take some nice pictures. But I, I did find a vehicle. My parents found a, a used car oh, for good. me. So between the GoFundMe and then what we got for my car. Scrap. Yeah, right. they, we found a, my mom found a company that was that picks up cars that have been in wrecks. So between all of that, I was able to pay for like half of it. And then my parents covered the other half for me. So now I'm paying them back so it can be mine. But yes, oh, I good. do finally have a vehicle again. For my part, well, you see me all the time. I, I, I live here. I live for you <laughs> in this box. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, I wait for my friends to show up <laughs> to talk to me. I have a wife, supposedly. So I've heard. <laughs> that's what we're told, but. No one's ever seen her. I've no met her, confirm. so I can confirm she was, this. She was I can a, it confirm. was a it was a hallucination. She wasn't really there. Well, maybe Dave hired her. Right. <laughs> she could She's have been an, an excellent actor. Yeah. Nothing but the best <laughs> to fool Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nothing. I'm just very excited about finally. I haven't worn a costume in a very long time. It feels like so. Uh, we're gonna be <laughs> I just doing had that. A costume at the, at on the, last night. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I live in a box. There's no need for costumes. I leave it rarely. So, and when I leave it, I'll be leaving it for the camp. I'm going to be driving down Thursday night. I'm going to be updating my, the, uh, the Squawking Dead Instagram stories with my little road trip comments, which I normally do because I'm insane and I need somebody to talk to. Not really. I just need to be insane on the internet for your pleasure. We're all going to be there around Friday-ish, I think, at that point. So We'll be waiting for you. Yeah, come see us at the camp, essentially. We'll be out in the hallway, not stuck in the vendor rooms, which you talked about a little bit before we got on. <laughs> uh, although it seems like we have two tables, so we might take advantage of that. Clerical error in your favor. Pull community chest card. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. <laughs> That's Monopoly hashtag. Anyway, Monopoly so uh, hashtag. <laughs> I did it wrong. <laughs> They've already announced Karen David for next next May for the May event. Oh, That's right. Which is great. And, and they're um, getting somebody else. I'm one pretty minute. sure I know who it is. In, In a one minute. minute. Pretty sure. I absolutely positively know I know who it is. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I think I know who it is too now, yeah. judging by your faces, Jenna Elfman. Um, so let's... <laughs> definitely oh, not. No. Okay. Oh, definitely no. not, Jenna. Oh, no. It's Oscar. Get it. It is. Um, the clues were mad and fear. So just... Mad and fear? It said, oh, don't, be, it said don't be mad. There's nothing to fear. So... <laughs> what if know. it's like totally not that it's not at all because <laughs> they they it had is. done okay they had previously done a clue sort of thing and i was like oh this is obviously this, this person and then they came back and said it's definitely not this person i'm like what the clues oh, wait, just are they point- announcing right now at six yeah basically so we can announce it now if you want to yeah throw it up they there. did i mean it's mo is it it's mo yeah it's mo <laughs> so when i heard mad and there's nothing to fear. I thought Kim Dickens. That's what because everyone was saying. Everybody in group thought that too. See what I'm saying though? What the fuck? Mad TV. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you talk That's to exciting. Kim Dickens all the time, Charity, right? <laughs> I didn't want anybody to know it. 
not her. I wanted everybody to get their hopes up. Yeah, yeah, excellent. That's how we. Got <laughs> I it. wanted but them to I, feel horrible. That's it. how I know we picked the right people because I love that. I revel in that, and I love you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Smoke Collins is you gonna know be there. I love my Madison people. I exactly like they're your favorite. Just we're squawking dead is one rung lower than how much you love the Madison community. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, back off Moving of that. On. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, so Mo Collins, who plays Sarah Benowitz on Fear, and Karen David, uh, who plays uh, Gracie. Karen David. <laughs> who plays Karen David? She is her. Gra- Grace Mukherjee on uh, on Fear the Walking Dead. But yeah, we never hear her for her last name, but now we now we can't not say it. So there you go. Fear the Walking Dead people. I love them. Yay! It's so exciting. All right, now let's talk about the episode and to get us started, uh, find a way around. Let's play Jasmine's take. Ezekiel's performance. Well, Harry Payton's performance as Ezekiel which I thought like every single scene that he was in, he made it really, really powerful. And you could really tell he was very like emotionally withdrawn from the situation, but he was, you could also tell how angry he was. I loved um, his scenes with Kelly. And obviously I found his scene with Negan really powerful. And I hadn't really considered this at the time. We actually have never really had like a Negan Ezekiel kind of moment since everything happened with All Out War. And to be fair, I think it's kind of long overdue. And it was also really nice to see like the reminder of like, oh yeah, Negan was a bad guy. Ezekiel saying about like, you know, his multiple wives, is burning people's faces. And it's something that I feel like we often forget about nowadays because we just kind of see him as one of the good guys. But yeah, it was good. It was good to see that Ezekiel still had that anger towards Negan, but at the same time was willing to to compromise for the for the current evil, which I thought was quite cool. I was really happy that Ezekiel threw in that line about the wives and the burning of the faces because it's like often what's brought up in conversation. Anyone who like vehemently hates Negan brings that that stuff up and anyone who's like a negan stan is always like well he didn't rape anybody (laughs) which is like a dumb it's a dumb argument anyway it's dumb (laughs) it's dumb he like he was like that dude in the back (laughs) of the room you know pushing for consent like pushing really hard for consent or else i'll kill you coercion but okay he like said you have to have sex with me or else like your husband will die because he can't get his medicine so like Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're not going to get into all that, but I was really thankful that they brought that up because I felt it was overdue because even though we still remember all the things that Negan did, it's easy now to see him in a softer light because he has a wife and a baby on the way and he's done a lot to help out in the last two seasons. Well, kind of like a full season because like a half and a half, Um, (laughs) but it's been enough to kind of start to soften our view on him, which isn't. It's not really fair. It hasn't been fair to Maggie, you know, when people have been like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, get over it. It's like, oh, well, he killed that's her That's going to be the second take, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> I think it was really well done. I'm, I'm just, it was good writing. So I'm thankful for that. I, I like what you said about the uh, Ezekiel embodying the common debate of anti versus pro Negan or somewhere in the middle Yeah, that, that he can at least vocalize that part, which, okay, again, credit to Angela Kang for doing um, what we become. I think it is the deny sliding doors slash dark mirror episode, I think is, is what that was. 
in season 10, where she eventually goes away. That helped us see the savior's point of view or Negan's point of view a little bit in terms of, okay, had we not done this, we could have easily turned into that. So having this moment was kind of prescient. I found this episode connected most with fans in two key areas, that one and another one where Father Gabriel's directly talking to the Commonwealth soldier. He's saying every story needs an end. And that really <clears throat> shook me for a second. Like, oh, oh, he's talking to me after what the fuck I said in the last episode about like, we got to end this right. <laughs> this, this Walking Dead story, right? I too am glad the viewers are reminded of what Negan has yeah. done. Not all of us have forgiven him. Just saying. <laughs> And, da- and Daryl, too, apparently, from the last you episode. You couldn't tell, but I was looking at you all. <laughs> Same. I couldn't keep my eyes off Rachel. Like, what is she? Let me see what she says about all of this. It's good. I will admit it was a breath of fresh air to hear Negan say what he did. I, I don't remember the exact lines, but he's talking about how the Commonwealth is leading through fear. And Ezekiel's like, is that what we're going to do? Is that what you think is going to work? And he's like, no, man. They need hope. And that's you. You are hope. You give people hope. And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, why why were you that way? Like, describe why, why, what, what about that really got you? Is that like he was paying attention? Like, I may have been an asshole, but I I paid attention. I think it's refreshing. He knew he couldn't be the savior. He knew he couldn't be the one to step up and do anything. He recognized that he needed to step back and say, look, I can't do it. You need to do it. When people with his charisma, with his cult personality can step back and say, you save everyone this time. And isn't it funny how like both Ezekiel and Negan, in a way, both found ways to kind of step back throughout, Mm -hmm. like in their various ways throughout the last few seasons. Like, I can't be the king anymore, Carol, you're the queen. (laughs) I'm not your boss, Jerry, that, do you know, yeah, like that whole yeah. thing. So that was more of a, like feeling bad for himself though. I feel like, don't you not initially it, 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 yes. right in the beginning. He was like, I can't, yeah. I can't do it anymore. Guys. Well, I'm just some guy. Is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What he said initially, right. It didn't have to be about me and what yes. I think this fantasy should be. Maybe Carol can participate in the fantasy. Well, and, which is another and thing I have to get to, but yeah. Ultimately, him being king it was more more of a symbol. It wasn't something he had to be. It was just a symbol he needed to represent for people to basically have hope. And now he has to do it again. In a, in a different in way. A different in a way, final yeah. poke, Pokemon form way. Yep. I am not a Negan apologist. I'm not going to lie. I do like Negan, but what he did was a lot of terrible shit. But our group's done a lot of terrible shit, too. A lot of people in our group have done terrible shit, too. So I just want to put that out there. But I feel like when he when Ezekiel was saying those things, it's supposed to remind the audience of how far Negan has come as a character. Like, oh, yeah, remember, he did these terrible things. And now you can see that maybe he still has the potential to do those, but he's choosing not to. This does bring up a, a big question, which is, do you think Negan is done Neganing, as we've sometimes said on the show? No, but he's neganing for us instead of against <laughs> us. And there's a big difference there. Fair enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. And his neganing has tempered down. He's not nearly as negan as he was in season six and seven. He has limits is what you're saying to how much he will negan. Well, I think being in prison and everything, I think that really did change him a little bit. It made him see things differently. And now that he has yeah. a wife and a baby on the way, I think he's, he's really doesn't want to be that negan again. Should the need arise, I certainly think he can resurrect that easily. Which it sounds like he might try to soon, maybe? 
As he explains to Ezekiel, I might do something that I can't come back from in order to facilitate your spark Mm. of hope. When Sharon and I were watching, I said, it sounds like he's going to try to. We know, spoiler, we know he's not going to (laughs) die. He's going to try and sacrifice. It sounds like he's going to try and sacrifice himself, though. I mean, I don't know if it would be a neganing thing. It could be as simple as him trying to cause a diversion or a distraction while people get away or do something else. Who knows? I didn't get the impression he was going to do anything. Neganish. Neganish. Yeah. It sounded more like a, it was going to end up being a self-sacrifice. Which is kind of like an anti-Negan. Yeah. Really. And we know it's not going to happen because, you know, he's in New York filming right now. So <laughs> <laughs> a little busy on this side here. But I mean, I've, I've said it about, about other characters too, but what would be the catalyst to make him Neganing again. I think Annie is the biggest red shirt on the show. Like she might as well just be wearing a, a freaking red shirt. And uh, I said this to Rachel when we were watching the episode. Wouldn't it be the perfect poetic ending mm. to have Annie bludgeoned to death, basically in front of his eyes? Ooh, I didn't think it, I didn't think it would go down like that. Mm-hmm. But now that mm-hmm. you've put that in my brain, <laughs> which is brained, yeah. Well, that would be the only way I think he could find redemption. Suffering an eye for an eye, almost on a literal scale. Mm-hmm. It would make Maggie feel so bad about the way things went down that the hate thing would happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we killed two birds with one stone. We found a way to redeem Egan and get the hate bang we so desperately don't want, but sort of want to see. I don't want it. No, I don't want no. it. I don't want it. No. Charity, high five. No. listen i don't want it it's kind of like one of those things like where you're like when lance was trying to tell carol hey somebody's gonna have to leave this place i'm like i'll allow it (laughs) let's see where this goes your move counselor (laughs) i mean they're alone in the big city. They have history, you know. The, the lights, the restaurants, the glitz, the glamour, the fancy, the, the drug parties. <laughs> Do you think this conversation also brings up the greater theme? Because, okay, let's take it to an example in this episode, which is Trooper 401, whom Maggie Railroad spiked under the armpit. He is told by Gabriel, and I mentioned it just earlier, that people remember the last thing you do. So it dovetails very nicely into what Negan is saying he's about to do. Hopefully this is the thing that people will remember me by rather than all the shitty things that I used to do. So seeing that parallel, but then also seeing other things too, like something that we've said throughout this season is that, and this is me assuming a lot, because it feels like it's not going to happen depending on how that courtroom scene goes. It feels like the only way out is doing with the Commonwealth the same thing that Rick did with Negan, which is, well, we can kill them all, and then what? Like Lance says, and then what? Fifty, You leave 50,000 people to their own devices? So at some point, again, assuming, 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 because of comic books, because of the way I see the narrative going, it can't just be about killing to resolve this issue. So at some point, there's going to have to be like a truth and reconciliation, which means, yeah, okay, you troopers all here did some heinous shit, but for the sake of keeping everybody together, we can't just kill all of you for what you've been ordered to do from up on high. Most of you didn't even know the reasons why you're doing it. Clearly, this trooper right here feels guilty and bad every time he goes into church, comes in a little later, leaves a little earlier, so he doesn't have to face the wrath of Gabriel. So <laughs> no, so there's clearly, it clearly 
by example, it is weighing down on some of them. And seeing that trooper exhibit these feelings may, although later on, it seems like they're just going to keep killing, (laughs) may allow our survivors to actually see the troopers as people, maybe to their detriment, but we'll see. So what do you think of any of that? Because is it going to come down to killing Pamela, Pamela, essentially? Let's just start there. But then I feel like Rosita and Daryl should already see the troopers as people as they have worked with them for the past year. That's yeah. what that I shouldn't be say. any that shouldn't be anything new to them. They should already know these people. This is their family that they're trying to protect. It has never mattered who it was that got in the way. It's always been about protecting their family. So they should understand that those people have families too. You're destroying a family to save yours, which how is that any different from what anybody else does? How is that different from the bad guy? Do you think this episode may have shown a light on that? Because there are illusions of, oh, they have my family, they'll they'll know, they'll know, like illustrating how horrible the situation is. Do you think maybe now they might see these troopers as people? Well, we've had a couple of those scenes throughout the years on Walking Dead in terms of like who they're up against. Now we're getting it with the Commonwealth soldiers before we saw Leah soften when she was with Daryl because of that family that they found. This is a repeated theme. This is like nothing new in The Walking Dead. I'm trying to think back to like All Out War. We see baby Grace which kind of gave the weight to like, there are children involved in this too. There's families. It's not just the people that you're envisioning. So this is a Mm -hmm. repeated theme, but it's always been, it's our family or yours. And so obviously we're going to choose ours. And that's why the show is so good, right? (laughs) Because it's all like moral dilemmas and, and how would you act put in this situation? And, and of course you're always going to say like, I'm going to protect my own because that's really ultimately human instinct I mean, it's the right to protect answer yourself and mm-hmm. those you're with but it seems like the show and again i'm assuming but it seems as though the show is is slowly building up to the moment where it's like okay yes that's true but can it be better absolutely well, it can be better but it the, it's it's not going to change anything like bridget said we've we've seen this pattern over and over again if we start seeing the troopers as humans nothing changes if it comes down to a gunfight we are absolutely going to kill them because we're not just going to, oh, you're a, you're a person now, so go ahead and shoot me? No, of course we're going to kill them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not questioning that, but wouldn't it be something if the show at some point made it so that these people were reachable? If that were possible, sure. And that's basically my question. Do you think is that what we're going to see? We were seeing that earlier already in this chunk of episodes because we saw that with Mercer and Rosita when the guy was being ripped in half. I mean, that was like over the top. Mercer just wants to help his people and he's just trying to help this guy. But we've seen it in all these conversations that we've seen between everybody and especially the conversation between Judith and Daryl in which Judith says, we can't just leave. We have to help these people because it is the concept of like, do you help these people who are going to be completely incapable of helping themselves? They've been under protection for who knows how long. They're not going to be capable. And we didn't mention this in the episode where we're discussing this, but as Judith has to put down the walker with Rick's cult, Python, her friend whom we met in the beginning of the uh, 11B is right behind her going, "Uh, uh, you know, like just like Like in horror. (laughs) We had this discussion before earlier in the season when Judith was training the other kids and we were talking about how Gracie couldn't fight. We had the discussion about how much do you teach your kids in this world, you know, but you want them to have a normal life, but you also want them to be able to protect themselves. Well, obviously the kids in the Commonwealth that have grown up in this, 
have no idea what is going on out there and what the, what reality is. And it doesn't seem like they're going out of their way to teach their kids how to fight or anything, unless they grow up to be troopers. But like, like that little girl being so shocked at, at Judith shooting the Walker, I think partly that was like, Oh my God, this is my friend. I had no idea that my little friend could do something like this, but also shock at the, at the Walker itself because she's probably never had any experience with them whatsoever. Other than like the fun house version. Remember the fun house with Judith and them? Uh, other than that, that's the only experience she's ever had with a walker is the fun house version. And it's less really about talking about the cold reality that obviously the Commonwealth people, not just the children, have really en masse have never really dealt with the outside world. But it's really more of a question of, well, now that we know that this exists, because there's a mutual benefit to keeping the Commonwealth up because of course, every parent wants their child to live in a world where they don't have to deal with this and children of our future. So are dogs. Okay, fine, fine. So are dogs and they shouldn't have to deal with it either. So <laughs> there is an enticing opportunity here to not just throw the baby out of the bathwater for the sake of one or two people in your immediate family. I'm not saying I have the right answer. I'm just saying it feels like this is the direction that they're moving in. But again, I could be wrong because they killed Lance, they killed Sebastian, <laughs> they killed Leah, all the things we said in the last few episodes. And I don't know what they're going to do, but I want to know what you feel is essentially is the basic I think if, if anyone's able to get through to the soldiers and make them change their tune, it's going to be Mercer. It, it would have to be Mercer. Bingo. Because he's the bridge, isn't he? He's in, mm -hmm. in the middle of all of yeah. it. He knows, he knows what it's like outside. He knows how to be a trooper. He feels mm -hmm. with these people who just came in. He's like, you guys get me. He's someone they can trust. Yeah, he's, you know, he's going to be a pivotal him, part so. of whatever yeah. happens. And the existent troopers already respect him. He can be the undergirding of change, potentially, like in a real foundational. Everybody knows me. Everybody respects me. I respect some of these people. <laughs> but like everybody looks can look up to him and he can be a bridge or liaison for like a healing process where like we can move in a direction together under new management, let's say. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I have not gotten the impression that the Commonwealth soldiers are part of the elite. They get no special privileges. They don't get paid a lot. So I imagine it's not going to be super difficult for Mercer and or our group to be like, hey, guys, we know a better way. Come join our side. And they'll be like, OK, <laughs> if not, if not for what, if not for the fear. No that's, ice cream well, yeah, or electricity, I'm, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, again, a blend where they can live all together in a different structure, or maybe it doesn't change that much, but it changes just enough so that there's some form of transparency and maybe actual elected officials that can run this place. If they're going to wipe out a whole section of Commonwealth, let it be the elite. <laughs> And then all the all the lower folk can move up into the penthouses. And <laughs> that's a bigger conversation <laughs> we need to have on this show. Well, because I'll say one thing: when you do that, history has told us that that doesn't work well either. We see that currently in Palestine, in well, the proposed Palestinian state. Let's say it doesn't; it hasn't worked well. Anybody that seems to go into that that power vacuum is automatically corrupted, especially where money is involved and people trying yeah. to help. Just look at the French Revolution. They took out all of the elites. And Perfect what did you get in return? Mm -hmm. The guillotine, Death. mass murder, 
revolution like the revolution just wiped out so many people yeah it, it did not work well deaths upon deaths upon deaths suspicion upon suspicion upon suspicion and this is unfortunately was the only way to get people to straighten up and not murder people eventually because there was so much death it was a built-in enforcement mechanism but well you better be good because you might get it too so there you go hey that was a quick history lesson <laughs> That's why you don't do that, Rachel. Don't do it. It's not. It's bad. I was really only talking about the housing element of Situ- all of that. Oh, okay. Oh, not government. I was I just gotcha. talking about the okay. house, the housing situation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's. <laughs> I'm anyway, just saying so- the soldiers should be uh, living a little bit better life since they put their lives on the line for their community. Well, it seems like they sort of do, right? More. Well, like uh, Daryl doesn't at least at first, but since they are actually using money, I guess he needed to make a little bit of money in order to move on up. So I don't don't even know after a year if that's even the case. If they hadn't burned down the Commonwealth, they could move it on up (laughs) to the deluxe apartment in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) The quickest way to reach what they called in this episode as paradise, right? The paradise of the Commonwealth. It it could be better. (laughs) Whatever. So they touched on an interesting idea. And it's something that we didn't really get a chance to really focus on throughout the former episodes, but it was how they seem to be able to cow people into submission or cow people into get on to get on. And that's, first of all, by separating people by class or classes, let's say. And that allows people to just do their thing and have a life and move on. But you get to see this in all different strata. Like the conductor is not a He's not a trooper. He's just a conductor. The trooper, trooper 401. He's just, he's a trooper, but you get to see both reactions. I'm scared for my family. I'm also scared for my soul. Hence the church. The conductor can't even face a reality where he would make a mistake big enough or to even make the mistake of even them not believing him because he's afraid to the point that if he messes up, he and his family are going to be dead, especially after the revelation of the fact that Sebastian not only disappeared people for personal gain but it appears as though he has insight into at least this work camp where you have no name and your family is held hostage and it's so bad that he sticks a screwdriver in his neck that's a very informing scene seeing that happen it tells you what the stakes are and shows that our survivors can't just rush in to whatever's going to happen or to whatever's going on let's say there's saying it out loud and saying that that's how they do things. They separate people and they have guns to enforce this whole structure. But then there's doing the thing and sticking a screwdriver in your neck. Even when Daryl tries to relate to the trooper, like, oh, you're just like me. You do things to keep your family fed as a way on, of moving on up. That wasn't enough. The fear is too great. Whether it's the fear of the outside or fear of retaliation or fear that your kids will suffer because of your, your actions... It's too great. And seeing that, that helps. That I loved getting that out of this episode. That okay, They can't just say it. They have to show what this fear is. Well, doesn't that really make sense, their reaction? Because I don't know if you guys felt this way, but when I saw the work camp and like everything that was happening, it reminded me a lot of the Holocaust concentration camps and internment camps from the U.S. side. And I actually just watched the Italian film Life is Beautiful. I don't know if you guys have seen, but 
I haven't, but I know Holy the premise. Holy yeah. hell. <laughs> it is. I just watched it recently. And so I guess, I don't know if I was feeling like real raw about it or what, but I sobbed like a baby at the end of that movie. I think sometimes when we watch stuff like that, it's easy to be like, well, this is just a movie. And as I was watching Life is Beautiful, which honestly, if you haven't seen it, you really should go watch it. It's a gorgeous, incredibly well-made movie. It is based on a true story. And so when you get to the end and you find out, because there's narration from the child's perspective about it, and you find out that it was a real story and this was something that actually happened. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'll just say a uh, man ends up hiding his child in a Jewish camp during the era of Nazis. And he plays a game with his son the whole time to like make it not as scary to his kid. That in itself is really powerful. I watched that and I was like, I was crying while we're watching it. And I'm so distraught over what had happened in the story. And we get to the end and all of a sudden all of that comes up. And then Travis looks at me and goes, I'm sorry, I forgot. This really is something that happened because like I, during the movie, I'm like, well, I know all of this happened, but like this specific story didn't happen. You know, like I was trying to like, detach from it and so when I found that out I just like I like broke it down and just like was sobbing like uncontrollably I was like it's so beautiful and sad and horrible and like I can't and I like couldn't because it's just like this gorgeous story about like familial love and despite all obstacles this episode just brought up a lot of that stuff for me like all of those themes about like no matter the adversity they're still together and we're still a family and we're still going to get out of this together however that has to happen even if it involves sacrifice right and we're seeing that in in negan kind of stating that he's we don't know that that's what it is but it it's a heavy implication sounds that like he it will sacrifice himself in some way right that's that's his goal and then we see these men who have worked in this and know what designation two is you see their reaction it just kind of levels up that okay yes this is a show but like stuff like this has happened in history and i think that's just really impactful to remember that like yeah it may not be this because there's not zombies walking around but like this has happened and it's like ezekiel is old enough to know that it has happened too when he and kelly interacted right at first right from the beginning of when they get there that actually hit me to see Ezekiel go, no, 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 no. Kelly, don't do something stupid. This is serious. Mm-hmm. It's way more serious than you think. Way more serious mm-hmm. than any scrapes we've ever been in. And it's almost as if the show is going, hey, watch. That's like perhaps the closest Kari Payton will ever get to doing a World War II period piece. Like or like <laughs> being a character in a, in Auschwitz with the all Albert Mark, Mark Fry, which means work will set you free. Uh, you know, that's the closest we'll get to being able to play that role. Because I felt that. I, I felt like, don't keep your head down. This is serious. This is. And then seeing what these other people from the Commonwealth are willing to do to themselves or, you know, willing to not do, divulge information because they don't want their families to suffer the same fate because of their treason, let's say. That only enhanced that looking back at Ezekiel with Kelly. And then obviously Kelly coming to that realization and being shaken to the core really doing a great job when uh, the gruel scene came around. All of that lent to that imagery, too. It's very easy to kind of gloss over it, right? Because, oh, this is a, they'll get out of it, right? They're, they're our survivors. They'll get, the, they'll get through this. Maybe they won't. Maybe it's not going to be okay. You had mentioned Designation 2. Sharon, what do you think Designation 2 is? And I have a CRM. feeling... You, okay, but what specifically? Maybe our New York 
facility where they find out A's and B's because it could have possibly been rebuilt by now after two and a half or three years since they took it down. So they could be sending her to be an A or a B. Well, it's designation two, so I'm more inclined to think that it's a B. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of alphanumerics, I have a B. Yeah. It's Connie. The drill instructor at the work camp, he gave me serious CRM vibes. I immediately thought of Agent (laughs) Dennis at the call facility. You know, I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't know how to verbalize it. Like, he is not, hmm, he (laughs) feels like he's from some other place. Like, he's reading off a Commonwealth script, but he's like, I gotta read this bullshit. I'm I'm CRM, bitch. Well, it makes sense they would be working on the trains then. They have to have have a way to Talk about other imagery, too. To travel, but also to transport any of the stuff that they're transporting. And how are they getting vehicles? So they have to have resources. So it's like all of that. Exactly. Where are they getting these brand spanking new motorcycles and Jeeps? Where are they coming from? Is the Commonwealth that big that they're manufacturing on that scale? Mm. Also, remember when we were like talking about coffee and stuff, like how are they getting coffee? Well, maybe the Commonwealth is big enough to have a plantation in Jamaica or something. But no, what if it's the CRM is where they're getting these kind of supplies in exchange for designation to people or whatever else they could possibly be sending them that we don't know about? Could be one of the things that Lance was talking about. Well, you have connections that you don't know about that keep this place going. That could be part of it. Let me ask, right. did we we only have ever heard about A and B through Walking Dead proper, right? Walking a and Dead B proper, designation Dead World wasn't, was it in World Beyond? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Okay. The test subjects. I couldn't remember if the, the A and B The dead ones are A's and the and the live subjects were B's until if they, they were, were saying that, But it could be that because <laughs> someone broke into those facilities and did things, aka World Beyond's entire plot, that they would change their verbiage so that it's like code again because their code was broken and when your code breaks you make a new code well it's also a good way to bifurcate the differences you might not want to use the same term at the commonwealth as you would in the crm because the crm of course is secretive so if you know exactly the right terms you can hack into their system and wreck their i don't know whatever they don't want people to know about them I don't think those CRM came up with the term designation two at all. I think the Commonwealth did. I think that's a Commonwealth Commonwealth term for where they're sending these people. And I agree. I also believe it's the CRM. Now, I'm trying to figure out why they would send Connie of all people to this designation two. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe she's just a nuisance and that's why they want to ship her off. Maybe there's something about her that designation two would find interesting they need a new writer for the crm newspaper (laughs) (laughs) that'll teach her a lesson (laughs) well that's not gonna work because we know connie prints the truth (laughs) (laughs) well or else if anything it's almost like i'm gonna use what is stuck in in pamela's maw like (laughs) that's if anything it's that her craw you mean yeah her craw (laughs) yeah that's right uh it was like do you you know was was this pamela's request to send her away that's kind of what i thought like she's that's because she wronged i got because she wronged pamela's father right and then also wronged her so like pamela is done with connie right she doesn't want to just kill her she wants to send her someplace for what i'm assuming is punishment to bring it back to the nazi comparison 
Connie does have a disability. It's a superpower for her, but mm. but oh, in terms wow. of the CRM and the Commonwealth, Connie has a disability. Wow, I didn't so think that could that. also be something yeah. else that they want to test. It could be a little bit of both. Pamela's like, oh, hey, look, I got this super special Uh-oh. test subject I can send to the CRM oh, and God. at the same time get my revenge. Yeah, what are we like into? Are we into like eugenics here? Well, if they're planning Oof. on using Connie as a test subject, which is w- what I was thinking, also along with her being deaf. So if they kill Connie and, and test her, would she hear anything as a walker? Or that's would what she I was use thinking. other senses as a walker? Right. Will she still not um, be able to hear as a walker? Right. I was thinking right. that as well. Like maybe there's some healing properties and stuff. This well, is I would some... assume she couldn't hear as a walker as well. That would be my assumption. But But that's why CRM does tests, right? To see if that's true. That's sort of where I was going to go with that. But just to kind of fill in some gaps that you may or may not have picked up on, one of the troopers, and I could say the designations, I don't even know if they mentioned them, but when they were talking about having Connie on the cargo train with the conductor who was captured and all the people they killed, he says, (laughs) this is against regs. This is against regulations to have a civilian in a trooper supply cargo thing. Then he goes, no, no, no. This this person's designation too. The other person says, "Oh shit!" Oh shit! Right, <laughs> right. What the heck is going on? Who ordered this? And it, this is coming from up on high, meaning the only high there is really. Pamela right. Melton. This would be out of character for Mercer. It would have to go through the justice system. Justice system. You know what I mean? It's and, definitely uh, Pamela. Do you? <laughs> yeah. No. So that's the implication. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This isn't an ordinary civilian. This is an ordinary situation. See, you have to look at this from the other side. It's very easy to get lost in Connie and what designation two is. But then you have to look at the other side of that coin just for a second, because it is a supply train. They're going to be getting supplies from or to doubtful from wherever they're headed. So if it is the CRM, boom. And it looked awfully empty, right? Besides the besides the um, vehicles, the cool motorcycles and Jeeps and stuff. They're working on separating everybody, too. It's like very clear that they've done this intentionally. They're like picking people apart and putting them in different groups. And because they're ensuring even in this camps, you're not going to be able to overthrow what's here because you'll be weakened if there's less of you. Mentally weakened, right? Well, and physically, there's less of you. Like (laughs) there's less of you than there would be normally because initially they're all taken together while they weren't going to be taken together to the same place. That was pretty clear. Negan, Ezekiel, Kelly, Annie, they're all on that prison Rail transport duty. bus, right? That's oh, what yeah, that yeah. seemed like. And then why are Gabriel, Rosita, and Maggie in like a military vehicle? So yes, obviously they're, right. going, they're going different places. And then Annie is taken to go somewhere else. So it's like they're just picking them apart. And that's that historically is what happens. You get taken to a camp in World War II and suddenly your uncle has to go over to this one because that's where the older people go. And then your wife is over here with the women and you're over here with the men and they just have a special assignment for him. And then he never comes back. Like It's just like mm-hmm. exactly what happened. There's a lot of that going on in this story, which is sad and interesting and it's really intense right and going back to the fear that's been exhibited some of these people sort of know what could happen even though they don't see what could have happened but it's horrible enough to know that they never come back yeah. whether it's designation two whether it's the work camps whether it's even what outpost 22 seems to be which is like a processing facility with a warden installed I forgot to mention this earlier, but the warden does the thing that historically always happened where your kids are taken care of and you can see them 
if, if you good. follow the rules. But they'll hold that over them forever. They will never mm-hmm. get to see their kids. But they'll use that as motivation. And the not knowing is fear enough, isn't it? Also yeah. taking away their names. Mm-hmm. That's a great segue. Because I want to talk a little bit about that. There's some great, great symmetry. And like on top of bringing up Negan and all that that Ezekiel brings up. Isn't it funny how like Negan's whole shtick was, I am Negan. Whenever they were out in the world, I'm Negan. Mm-hmm. You don't have names. Isn't it funny how in the sanctuary there was just the lieutenants and then everybody else is I am Negan. Everybody else was underclass except for the lieutenants and Negan. Isn't it funny? There's some symmetry between the Commonwealth structure and the sanctuary. Let's say the saviors. Sanctuary is a place, but the saviors is a, an idea. So like on top of all of that, I love that the most is that, you know, there is something to Negan. Of course, Negan sees what's happening here. He did it. <laughs> See? The troopers are the lieutenants. He is the Milton in the government. And I'm everything. There's a second in command. Simon is definitely the most opposite to Mercer as a, as a character as I could ever see. <laughs> Do you know? Do you ever, uh-huh. like, he didn't sure. care about everybody that was underneath him. He was shooting people when he was gone. When Negan was gone with Gabriel in season eight. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> but if Pamela left and Mercer was in charge, he'd be like, okay, let's fix this shit right away. Hopefully, I don't know. Again, I'm pulling back and going, I don't know if Mike's going to do, Mike Mercer's going to do the same, the right thing. I don't know. Maybe, probably. He wasn't in this episode again. So they're kind of like delaying that piece of it because I want to know where the fuck he is. Really? Because I want to know what's going on at Oceanside, bruh. Oh, right. I was so mad when we got to the episode and I didn't get anything. I was like, <laughs> again, I need to know what's happening. They keep doing that with Oceanside, don't they? I know. They, <laughs> like every time for, Aaron's going down to Oceanside, three episodes later, oh, oh, I'm in a field. I'm dying. Rain's on top of me. Oh, you're going to let me die? I guess not. And then three episodes later, Oceanside comes in with the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> They've done Oceanside's it so, all designation so too. Designation to all of them. Oh no. <laughs> Terrible. Bye, Marisol, I guess. Okay, let me play the rest of Jasmine's state because she looks like she's about to say something that I'm not sure we all agree with. I, I don't, but I'm I'm curious <laughs> to know what, what you guys think. Didn't really enjoy any of the scenes where Maggie was getting emotional because I just can't sympathize with Maggie. I feel like I should be able to, but like ever since that like gap where she was like missing from the show, I actually just do not care about anything to do with Maggie. I found some of them scenes like, oh, I'm supposed to be upset about this, but I'm not. Yeah, that's all I got for you is to enjoy the episode. (laughs) Thanks, Jasmine, who's been on the screen forever. (laughs) We finally got to your take. That's such a like... Throw Maggie in the fire. I don't care. She left the show. No, I completely it's just, agree. Jasmine, really? Yep. This is why I love this show so oh, much. Wow. I love doing this show because wow. I okay. love the class. I assumed 100. it was the perspective of someone who was just younger and didn't have the experiences of getting married and having I kids should. and stuff I should like that. I assume that's what to, it was, but I guess I should I'm relate wrong. to Maggie, right? I have a son. I have a child. I yes. have a son. I should yeah. relate to Maggie. I can't stand her. <laughs> I really can't. Oh, goodness. I mean, I'll give you, okay, I'll give you this. I'll we, give you we've this. hashed this and we've gotten to the core of this, but yes. I was furious that she was breaking down in the middle of the road because I was like, yeah, bro, this is a really bad spot. You're going to, you're going to get caught again. This is a horrible spot to be in. Please move. <laughs> Look, there's a car coming. 
You are so she doesn't lucky. Even look up. She You're doesn't so even look up. Lucky. So happens to be Carol. I, I told Rachel, I'm like, she okay, just telepathically, God. she telepathically knew it was Carol and Daryl. That's why she didn't look up. Like she just felt their vibrations. I was so pissed. I was so Although, pissed. That, that that's supposed watch. to be an informing decision though. On second watch, when I actually was taking notes, I'm like, oh, I, I don't think at this point she cares. No, she doesn't. Why? That's the whole point. Why? Because she the, sees the, a the little dead walker. walker kid. It's not even Glenn. It's not even. It's not even Herschel. It's, it's not, not even, even her, her kid. kid. So okay. So I know you Game of Thrones. Sorry, Bridget. And you Game of Thrones people will remember Hard Home, where Jon Snow first meets the Night King at the little wildling town on the edge of the bay. And there's this badass wildling chick, right? Like she is a badass fighter, and and hmm. but she's a mom. And so she puts her kids in the in the boats to get away. Her kids are safe with Jon Snow. They're leaving and going to Westeros. And she goes to fight the fucking whites, the white the white walkers. Well, she sees a bunch of little kid walkers and she just stops fighting and lets all these zombie kids attack her and kill her. Like she just stops because they remind her of her kids. That to me was like the I was so mad at that like no, no, no. And that is exactly what I thought about with Maggie when she just stopped because she sees this other dead kid. Like you have not seen a fucking hundred dead kids in this in, right? in the twelve and a half years right? of the apocalypse, Maggie. I mean, be I, relieved it's not your not, kid. I'm not even. I'm like, I'm, I don't hate Maggie. I don't hate Maggie. I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, I, I like her. Okay, like... but <laughs> this was just such a stupid, stupid thing. It was just so stupid. It made me so mad. I can understand why. You would feel that way. And there's a lot of reasons why. And I touched on it actually in the last episode where certain writing decisions like, OK, let's obviously let's talk about what everybody else is thinking. What Jasmine's thinking, which is I think a lot of the fandom feels this way. Hey, bitch, you left the show. That's part of it. You can't oh, no, deny I'm it. not even I'm not even. No, no. You I know. You yeah. I know. No. You. We've talked about what you the whole reason why you feel that way. And I, it's a very deeply emotional. We cried a little bit because of it. I'm not going to hash that up again. If I could remember the episode, I'll bring it up. But whatever. It's it's a it's a big emotional discussion that has a lot of baggage. But the big consensus is, OK, bitch, you left the show, came back. And da -da -da -da. why should we care about your return? And the show until now, like they've been trying to get you to feel things for Maggie. And it just, for the most part, even with me, I can see what they're doing, but it hasn't worked. And I think the reason why it hasn't worked is, is because like, if it, it would be one thing, if the folks, the wardens they bought, brought back from Meridian, the wardens of Meridian, they brought back, had stuck around a little bit longer so that we can get attached to them, but they just threw them in the fire. They didn't give us a reason as to why we should care that Maggie loses even these people. And I know I like, I'm trying to illustrate this is why we should care. We should care about the stories she had on the road with Herschel, right? We should, but we didn't see it and seeing yeah. is believing we've said mm -hmm. this too. Again, mm -hmm. I'm trying to put everything in perspective right now. This is probably the only moment that sort of reached me actually, because on again, on paper, <laughs> All these people died. All the communities died. Uh, Georgie went away. When We're never going to see Jane. Atkinson. Atkinson. We're not seeing her again. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. I told you guys we would never see her again. There's so many reasons why. <laughs> so we're, we're supposed to feel this way. When she sees the walker, the walker child, 
okay, they're giving us a little time for her to process it. But when she sees the Walker child in the crossing just after having shivved Trooper 401, that finally got me because they kept showing images of Herschel being dragged away. And then when you add the conductor stabbing himself in the neck and the trooper losing hope and wanting forgiveness in the end, at the end again. And I, I want to also say one more thing about that specific thing. The trooper 401 asking forgiveness, perfect symmetry for the beginning of the season. When Gabriel meets the Reaper and he asks and the Reaper upon dying asks Gabriel for absolution, I think is the right word. Some sort of absolution, pray for your enemy. Yeah. I love seeing Gabriel on the other side of that now. That I'm actually getting chills just thinking about it. I thought of that too yeah. when I saw it. But that's very informative. So when you actually see all of that together, that was the only time where I sort of finally felt something about what she's finally... Like, this is the last straw. And a bale of hay on a camel's back that made her break. After seeing all the horrors on the road, at least she had Herschel with her. Horrors on the road? <laughs> horrors. <laughs> Horrors. Well, they had their they had their limbs chopped off, and one of them was pregnant. They were all pregnant. <laughs> oh, they were all pregnant, right? They're all incubators. The scene where she's with that was Carol the one thing. And she's just she's just crying and crying about about Herschel and how it's worse to not know. And I'm like, who are you talking to? Carol knows exactly what you know because her fucking daughter was in your barn. Mm -hmm. She knows exactly yeah. what it is to not know. So why are you telling that's, her? What, yeah, Maggie, that's, like, season two. But that's the reason. That's the reason. That's the reason why these two were paired together. Because she does know. The not knowing. I think she used the same exact words at, at one point. It's the not knowing. I, I forget. With Daryl, right? If I'm not mistaken. Probably. And, that sounds and really like yeah. the, and Shut like your chair. fucking trap. I'll find your daughter. You it was bitch. like in the Cherokee Rose <laughs> episode, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's symmetry in that. So, of course, she knows exactly what Maggie's feeling. But Maggie's still boohooing. It's, it's not even <laughs> the. By the way, it's not even the crying that got me, that it was the way she cried. It's that. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like that. I can barely cry because I'm so fucking exhausted. I love that touch in the way she actually cried. I will say it is it is a shock still to see children walkers, even though we've seen a few here and there. In the generality of the show, we don't see very many of them. When you see the big herds and stuff, there's never little kids in those. It's always mm -mm. adults. And you know they didn't die naturally because they're children. So Right, right. It had to be a pretty gruesome death for them. Yeah. So well, this I, one looks pretty recent, too. Oh, my God. Well, I didn't even think about this. Sorry, I'm just barreling in. Let's get a census here. Do you think that Walker was fresh? He looked not pretty fresh. Super, not super fresh. But not not like the Walkers like, we've been seeing like the last few years. Old, yeah. I'd say less, maybe six months. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I haven't done a complete study on the aging of Walkers <laughs> and and like I'm how, not a Walkerologist. How their, um, <laughs> the environment affects. Can we call Doctor Everett and ask him about it? <laughs> Yeah, um, fuck Dr. Everett. I don't believe yeah. a word he says in his pseudoscience. <laughs> anyway, so. I mean, I would say it was fairly fresh because it doesn't have like the the rotting flesh and whatever. It's more like he's just kind of pale with the goopy eyes and stuff. So I would say yeah. relatively fresh. So that is a little informative, too, because if they're taking care of these kids, then I don't know if they're taking care of them that well. And maybe shit happens because when you'd said it's shocking to see children walkers. 
and noticing that this children walker, of course, they can't grow to him out too much, not like the first one that we see ever see. But it immediately made me think of, oh, is that maybe what has happened to the kids in the Commonwealth's charge of these people who are in these work camps? That's a scary thought, which also like, let's say Maggie is thinking all of these thoughts and that's maybe Herschel's future. Wouldn't you be like losing your fucking mind? I mean, especially since I'm going to get my kid. That's not going to be his future, and I'm going to make damn sure of it. Are Get out you, my way. Are you guys ready for me to play a little devil's advocate? Just a little? Just a yes, because I've been trying, and it's not easy. It's not because I, <laughs> okay. I feel a little bit between just, you and, and even Rachel. They're not giving me enough reason to care. They're trying to, but it's not working. But I do feel where you're coming from, Bridget. Maggie's life so far as we know it. She loses her relatives, Herschel Sr., and she loses Beth. Peripheral family members, her husband, Herschel, Beth, Glenn. The Meridian folks. This is this is after stepmom and stepbrother, too. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this process, there has always been an overlap. She has never been alone. She has always had family. Glenn dies. She's pregnant. She's still got family. It's growing in her. Since she has Herschel, she had all the people at Meridian. They've all died. Elijah's still Elijah, around. notwithstanding. Right. And she doesn't know what's going on with them, where Aaron and Jerry... I mean, she has no clue if they're okay or not. You just don't know. When people leave, you don't know if they're going to be all right or not anymore. All separated, too. And now her baby boy, who is literally the last member of her blood family that she has, is missing. And she doesn't know if he's okay or not, but the memories that she can piece together are very traumatic and seem like maybe he's not okay. Well, I get some of this, I don't want to say it's bad writing, but there's been some moments of less than stellar writing in terms of of Maggie and what's going on. I will say that with that thought in mind, knowing that when Herschel died, she still had Beth, right? And she had Glenn. And so she was able to like mourn together. And then Beth died and she still had Glenn. So she was able to mourn with Glenn. And then Glenn died and she had all the rest of her family who were just as mad as she was. But she also had the baby growing in her belly. So she had like the ability to mourn with people that she felt close to. And then all this stuff happens with the people of Meridian and she's still, she's back with that family so she can mourn with them again, but she's also mourning with her son. Well, now her son is gone and she's alone in that moment. Well, she in does the crossroads not know, especially. She doesn't know if she'll ever see any of these people ever again. It reminded me so much, of course, with the railroad track of Terminus and those episodes where everybody is separated after the mm-hmm. prison and they're on the railroad tracks and yeah. they're all alone and they never know if they're going to see each other again. This is that moment again. Which was in the montage, by the way. Yeah. Like a very key point. And then they flash to the mall where they're trying to flee the Reapers. It's that moment again. And so I did feel for her in that moment. And when you say like she cried because she was exhausted, of course she's exhausted. It's like you're alone in this moment. And finally, everything that you put off because you're with your kid and you want to be strong for him and everything that you've put off because you were the leader of a community and you were leading Hilltop. And after that, you were leading Meridian and you were doing all these things. You've always been able to just shove it down and keep going because you had to. And in this moment, you don't have any of that responsibility anymore. And it all comes crashing down. And I think every single one of us can relate to that moment because I know you've had them in your life. Yeah. Where you've been absolutely. truly alone for a moment and just have let it crash down. Yeah. I've hit I've hit a bo- I've hit several bottoms in my life. And so that to me there was there was emotion there. Do I think it was great writing that she was in the middle of the road? Of course I don't. I pointed it out. I thought it was dumb. <laughs> but I will say that as a woman who and as a mother, she's struggling in that moment. Truly struggling. 
And then she goes to the one person that she knows would totally get that struggle. Carol gets that better than anyone Mm -hmm. in the world. How do you go on after so many losses? Yeah. Yeah. Carol's Carol's lost like 20 kids. So she totally knows. I'm sure everybody lost a lot of people, but a lot of it was like a Band-Aid, right? It was ripped off all at once. Maggie's had the continual trauma of it just being one right after after the the other. other, It was deliberately painted out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I. That's where I'm coming from. I just want to play devil's advocate on that. I felt like in that moment, it was truly that just letting yourself be swept up in in everything that you've put off for so long. And I feel, I honestly feel, I'm not going to say I feel bad for the, no, no, I do feel bad for the writers that have to be put in this position where not all of their punches are going to land. What seals the deal for me is, is going back to the beginning of this episode, knowing that a lot of people will rewatch an episode and seeing the nostalgia scene featuring Maggie and Judas saying, the only thing I've ever known is the fight. Maggie. Yeah. There's so much we've done, so much more to do, but I want to believe that there's hope. Isn't that Maggie? After losing so much again and again and again and again, that together that there there's hope. Isn't there? Isn't there is the big question. She is uh, the modern day story of, of Job, in a sense. How much can I take away from you? Job obviously had everybody taken away from him and asked whether his face was still strong. And he wavered a little bit, but he said, yes, my faith is still strong. There's another story of Haish Gamzu. Gamzu, they called him Gamzu because it's the the two words, Gam, also, Zu, this, also this. But the whole expression is Gamzu Litova. So the expression is, also, this is for the good. This has meaning to it. Even if this is taken away, that's also for, for my benefit. So that's why they call him the Ish Gamzu. They took away everything from him. Worse than Job. They took away his arms and legs as well in this story I, I i wish i could tell you the whole story but until the end he said also this is for the good throughout the whole thing so when i look at maggie what more can they take and that's where you get at the end savage maggie you get this i'm done they don't know who they're messing with they've underestimated us at every single turn i feel like she's been savage maggie since the beginning <laughs> no no she's been savage I don't think maggie so. i don't think so the way i've regarded her until now is Complete autopilot. That's her default setting. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because she's had to be. There's always the fight, isn't there? And if I stop for a single moment to to register what's happened, you get the crying scene that she has. This exhaustion that I can't suffer any more losses. And this is the one loss that I've been holding on to. It's as if everything in my life has been measured by loss but this was the one thing i thought i got got to keep i got to keep my son for so long and i thought maybe maybe all this was for that maybe all of this loss was for this child and even he got taken away from me i got that from her exhausted cry this can't be happening to me i was able to shelf all of this shit because i had herschel and now i don't even have him Now they're taking that away from me. But he's somewhere. No, no. And she's clearly not. Like at the end of this, she's clearly getting ready to be conscious of her decisions now. She says they've underestimated us at every turn, yet Alexandria's gone. They're all on the run. They're all split up. Eugene's in jail. (laughs) They've they've (laughs) underestimated them at every turn. Well, I really shudder to think of what kind of state they would be in had they estimated them at every turn because they're not in particularly good shape right now. Yeah. No, no. And I agree with that hundred percent. But I I do think that like, rather than seeing her be this cowering person, I do think that at the end of the day, she does what you think she should do. Rachel, you have to give her a moment to appreciate her loss. And then 
I mean, if it wasn't for Carol... What, what loss, though? We're, we're talking like Herschel's dead. Herschel's not dead. He's out there somewhere. But she doesn't know that. Technically, she doesn't until, know that. Until I see my son for myself, he is out there and he needs me. And period. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's, you know, but it's the real it's the realistic part of like anytime anyone is out of your sight, you have no idea if they're going to come back. That's just the world that they live in. That was actually Fair. verbalized ear- earlier, too, in uh, Daryl. I mean, obviously not in front of Maggie, but like in Daryl and Carol's conversation earlier, which evokes the, the cave in also. He brings up a very important po- point that Kelly says, you can't save them if you're dead. You can't mm-hmm. save Herschel if you're dead. And so that must be running in her mind, too. If I go after him, who's to say that they don't kill him in front of me? <laughs> but she's cool sitting in the middle of the road. <laughs> Just waiting for someone <laughs> to roll up on her. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I didn't maybe, love that part. <laughs> so maybe there's a little bit of symmetry here. Like where, okay, Maggie almost feels the same way as a railway worker. We're like, okay, if I just stopped existing right here, maybe Herschel could have a life. Or, you know what? Uh, uh, where did I hear this before? Oh my God, I saw this on somebody's Instagram post. And it really like hit me a little bit because we've all felt this way at some point. Maybe are I'm you, the problem. Are you quoting Taylor Swift's new song right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. <laughs> no, I, I don't. No, who is that? <laughs> I, just, I didn't, I didn't know that, but I wanted to pretend like. Swifty. <laughs> You've been outed. I honestly don't know who you're talking about, but it's fine. No, I'm kidding. I do. I do. I've heard of. I've heard of. I've heard she exists. I've never. I may have heard of Taylor Swift. I wouldn't know though. Just shake it off, Dave. Just shake yeah. it off. Sorry. Okay, that one I've heard. That one I've heard. Okay, fine. Gotcha. <laughs> I knew you were trouble. But haven't we all? Haven't <laughs> Look, you're going to create some bad blood here. Oh, God, no. It just keeps going. Is that to me or is this to Maggie? Because I'm not sure at this point. I think we've all felt that way. And I think after so much time of losing so many people, you start to think crazy things, too. Is it me at this rate? Because everybody around me seems to die. Carol, same thing. Mm-hmm. All my kids seem to die. So why the fuck am I even trying? I think that's what ended up getting me because I got that feeling in that moment. Is it even wrong to have held on as long as I have to Herschel? Does this child even belong to me at this rate? Because the fact that I lost him means obviously not. I lost him. I was not strong enough. So do I even deserve having him? Even the world that we live in right now, you, me, all of us, we every day is a gift. Even more so in the apocalypse. These characters have been on borrowed time since the beginning. So you should expect to lose everyone at any moment. I feel like that's the norm now. And, and when it's not, mm. when you see the people you love every day, you're thankful for that because you do get another day with them. Let's take that down to the micro level in terms of Maggie and Herschel, knowing that, you know, yes, of course, obviously you can lose anybody at any time. She selfishly thought that at least I could have lived long enough to have raised my son to the point where I can go and he still keeps going. She doesn't know exactly what's going to happen to him, mm-hmm. but... Do you think she's earned the right to think maybe selfishly that she could have held on to him as long as she could have? I mean, I think all of us have to live that way, right? That yes, they could be taken away from us at any time, but we're going to do our damnedest to, to make sure that they never get captured or killed. Mm-hmm. So when it actually does happen, yeah, you're going to react. I mean, you're going to have that moment. And especially her after losing, <sighs> you can only tell yourself so many times, this is good. We can move on from this. Losing home after home after home. As long as I had Herschel, 
it made it okay. Losing him, I just think that that's the that's that last straw. Don't we all at some point? Oh, Rach, you were talking about even your brother getting to that accident. We all get to these moments where like, you know, what the fuck is it with the world that this can happen? Right. Mm -hmm. And so you think irrational thought because it doesn't make sense. Like what you're saying doesn't make sense. But what you're feeling in that moment, is it me or is it us? Is it our family? Are we cursed? That dumb thought that I hate when people say like, no, you're not cursed, but I get why you're. So, yeah, I get why you're feeling it, though. And so she's thinking in this moment, maybe. But there's all this other stuff that's stacked on top of it. And I know I'm giving a pitch and I know it doesn't change the way you feel. But I'm just saying from my point of view, from what I've seen. And again, it doesn't always work on paper. It's supposed to work. But this is the one moment where I said those these two little micro moments where she's in the road. I don't care if it's a Commonwealth soldier. I don't care who it is. This is too much. But the fact that it is Carol and Daryl. It's like the right people found her, scooped her up. Carol, the one person who had the most loss, to my estimation, of, of greater proportions, is that she was had to be the one to coach her back from the brink. I'm glad we got to talk about this from all this different strata, too. Is, is, I, I like all the different different perspectives of Maggie. I, I mean, I completely agree with everything both of you guys said. It just doesn't make me feel any differently about her. Exactly. Feelings are feelings. And yeah. even if we can't always describe those feelings, even we, we do our best. Mm-hmm. You, Rach, me, you, Bridget. Yep. Sometimes it's like, I felt, ah. wait, Rachel, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Can you describe it? It's just Not a really. feeling. <laughs> Not really. I just maybe go, Rachel. Oh, oh, oh. Ah, oh, oh. The description is wait, the sound. So, Rachel, exactly. do you mean that? No, no, it's, it's, uh. all right, let's keep, let's move, let's move on. <laughs> I get what you're saying. The audience Sometimes will understand. I don't have the words. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Again, just so everybody knows, I, I, for one, and maybe we can drill down this a little bit, but like I felt this one, this episode was pretty self-explanatory. This was setting the stage. Yeah. yeah. Definition of a setup there's episode. Only, oh, yeah. There's only oh, yeah. one other thing that I wanted to mention. Outpost 22, baby. We were there. We were there. That is the cool All part. The pictures. Dave, Dave the insert, pictures. insert like so many pictures yep. here. Um, I'm already doing it. I'm already doing it. 450 of them. <laughs> I love that because we went and we were like, we have no idea what this means. And I thought maybe they're reusing this as like a different location, you know, because they yes, love to do that. Me too. So when it was Me Alexandria, too. I was like, yes. Yes. Like, yes I was yes, just so yes. excited. <laughs> also, I was like, foolish decision because these bitches built this place. So they know all the nooks and crannies. Yep. What are you doing? Taking yeah, they that do. They're so exactly sending them home. Yeah. They're sending them home. They built the city home. on rock and or roll. We putting them on their city. home turf. Yes. <laughs> We built yeah. this city. Our guys right. have home foolish. field advantage. That's for sure. <laughs> foolish, foolish decision. The lady on the inner Alexandria, that is Yvette Nicole Brown. Good what? Brown. Wait, wait, wait. She which, finally which, wait, got wait, her wait. cameo? The one, the one talking, the one talking to Rosita? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? I'm so happy. I'm How so did happy I not recognize her, her voice? Finally. I'm so, finally, I'm so finally. disappointed in myself. I'm so She was in the credits too, by the way. I didn't oh my that, gosh. I didn't either. That's how I'm I so noticed happy it because her. I saw her in the I'm credits. I'm so oh. happy. I'm so happy. Congratulations, okay. Yvette. Also, I want to mention before we move away from Outpost 22, it is now I don't think we're gonna. a permanent <laughs> monument. I don't know Whoa. if you know this. 
The, the Georgia door tour company is a permanent monument. Georgia tour company posted pictures today on their Instagram. So please, one, if you're not following them, you really should be because they're awesome. Go check out their Instagram because there is a monument. It's the door is cut in half and they've angled it into like a V shape. And uh-huh. that is now in concrete. So that is standing. Oh, they are going to keep that. It says Outpost Woo! 22. I'm so happy oh, that's that awesome. there's a permanent monument there. It's just it's so cool. That's so awesome. just so you know, I don't think it's in the original location. I think they put it somewhere it looks on the like road. It's, um, it looks like it's closer to the little gazebo. Oh, yes. okay. Like it's on okay. the other uh, side maybe. of that, I think, kind of in that little okay. field area. I think that's I need more perspectives, but it's definitely not where it was. That's I'll, I'll know. the key. I'll know after this weekend. So. <laughs> we'll, fi- we'll find <laughs> out. We'll find there. out tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> yep, that's right. When the trooper knocks Connie down. And instead of well, chasing yeah. the trooper yeah. down, instead yeah. of Daryl chasing the trooper who then got away, he stopped to ask Connie if she was okay. Okay, like, it that. wasn't even like she was hit with anything hard or anything. But I'm like Daryl, I get it. But my dude, you've got to go after the trooper because then the right. trooper took off. He didn't stop to pull her up though. He's just like, you good? Bye. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> But, it, but again, so but again, it's, infor- it's informative. I'm just telling you, everything means something. That was fodder for all the Donnie shippers. <laughs> I'm deep down. I am a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Donnie shipper or Carol. Car- no, Car- Donnie. Um, <laughs> no, no, Dave. <laughs> what? Hashtag doggle so, all the way. So, doggle. Suddenly, well, dog, we've established dog is dead from the Sarah sedatives. Suddenly, yeah. Dave is on. We didn't see him at the camp. Like he's just on Twitter, like constantly, like Carol for life. <laughs> like Dave is just on there <laughs> instantly. You're all sus. You're all. Su- I like Taylor Swift. I like Carol. What is going closet, on, people? A closet Carol and a closet Swifty. It's ridiculous. What's coming Guys, out? This maybe, episode. maybe this is like. The next episode of Squawking Dead, I get to leave the box. That's the, this is what we're moving in that direction. To Kanye go to a T-Swift concert. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, I heard it and I want it to go away forever. No, but moving on. <laughs> so I actually wanted to bounce back to one thing that I, I thought was just really odd. There was a little bit of a symmetry when Maggie sees the Child Walker. I'm sorry, I'm going back to this, but the Variant Walker looked like she picked up the same rock as the variant walker i could be wrong but like it looked like it was the same exact rock i don't know what, what do you it means expensive? these rocks are expensive yeah we gotta you know how much a rock costs i gotta get my money's worth there are unions involved and it has to be a safe rock to keep the act it makes it's made of cookie it's a cookie rock the Commonwealth demands that rocks be cut in that particular fashion before they are thrown <laughs> exactly. out the road. Exactly. We have our answer. We have our answer. I know. I just thought there was like an interesting symmetry there. Like the variant is the one who picks up the rock to try to kill Jerry. And yet Maggie drops the rock that she's meant to kill this child. Well, I don't know. There was something about it that was like so are weird. are we going to see a at- walker Maggie? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no. I oh, guess no. we wouldn't. And she's a reasons. variant? Whoa, it's got weird. Maybe she's like Alicia. Maybe she uh, has the virus in her. And anyway, whatever. That's you're hoping, Rachel, right? And then she's dead, but she's not dead because we just don't know because everything just (laughs) fell apart and and it's fine. Uh, She'll just run back to the Commonwealth as it's burning about 16 times and try to get get Pamela out or I don't know. 
I don't know. There's birds <laughs> everywhere suddenly. I don't know what's happening. It's fine. Oh, I'm back. I'm going to bounce around a little bit more. Angela King confirms in the episode or insider that uh, <laughs> that something that we were all talking about in the the one episode, I think we raced through because I think one of us, I didn't re- get notes for it. But when we were talking about it, we it looked like Gabe and Rosita had broken up. Oh, my house, your house. Yeah. Coco. Oh, yeah. We touched care, on that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she, she confirms that they had broken up. Really? Why wasn't yeah, that made yeah. more clear? We thought it was due to like circumstance, like they were separated because of his status versus her status in the community. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, the relationship sure. was broken. <laughs> right. We we had looked at it from all these. And we also said out loud, oh, maybe they broke up. I mean, we wanted to look at it from all because we saw something and we were like, what is that about? But he's still calling Coco our daughter. But bitch, that's not your get out of here. But hey, hey, he's been raising her, though. Don't take that away yeah. from him. But if they're not together anymore, she ain't his. I'm not saying no, a word. No. Fa- found family is a thing, Rachel, yeah, at least I in disagree. this universe. I disagree. But he, he's okay. just as much of the father as anybody else is. As, as Rick is of the entire Dude village. Father. Oh, no. The entire no. village. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we made Eugene's Terrible. daughter and memory of Eugene. Coco will be? Oh, well, I guess for all the diaper and, and, and hype checks. And- <laughs> Well, we've seen him invested in Coco's life and that 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 alone does it for me I, that's well, it's fine with me he's taking duties, care of her you know yeah always been sharing so. duties. and even after they broke up they were still sharing duties i hereby name her coco porter coco oh, porter and when she turns 15 she'll wear the thing in the bolo uh, tie oh. oh. <laughs> i mean i, it's, I like still... a, it's like a quinceanera but not <laughs> <laughs> You know what though? I'm gonna say that Coco Coco Stokes no. or Socorro Stokes sounds pretty badass. It's a, you got alliteration. That's a superhero name. Coco Stokes, vampire hunter. Yeah, there you go. There Rosita you go. and Gabe are go. both gonna die, and Eugene and Max are gonna adopt Coco. Oh, I don't oh, like my. it at all. Why can't they all just live? I'm turning into one of these people. <laughs> you are. Welcome to the club. <laughs> They're fine, right? They're fine. Just put a band in okay. <laughs> you know what? I just have to say it once. I don't like it, but then I'll move on. I'll be like, okay, show me, show me how this makes sense. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I want to point something out. Story. Josh Hamilton's name was still in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I didn't see this, but it looks like somebody had revealed that he was wearing zombie makeup. Mm-hmm. Somebody didn't. Somebody posted something that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Is he a variant? I figured as I, vi- I figured as much because his name could still be there. If he's a variant, that could be that a good be way. So cool. <laughs> Wouldn't that okay, be something? I'm though? down for him biting Pamela. I think that would be extremely okay, fun. See, right? now I'm going to show up oh. at the camp and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, Josh, Josh, hey, Josh. <laughs> Hey Josh, are you, hey bud, are you, hey bud, are you a variant? Are you a variant, Josh? Josh, are you a variant? Josh, just like Josh, the micro expression. Remember that? Remember that time? Remember that? Remember that time you got shot in the neck with an arrow? That was awesome. That was fun, right? That was funny. That was awesome, guys. Hey Josh, hey Josh, hey Josh, hey Josh. Josh. Can you hear me? Okay, Josh, Joshy. Joshua. Is that, your, is that your given name? Joshua? Joshua. Joshua. Yehoshua. 
Joshua. <laughs> Joshy. <Pastor> Joshua. <laughs> Joshy. Joshy. Joshy baby. <laughs> You're gonna let me like, please step away from him, ma'am. You're not allowed to be over here anymore. Are you volunteering? I maybe maybe you'll be Joshy's handler. I don't think so. They're gonna be like, you've gotta go. He says you keep asking him if he remembers the time. No, 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 no. At this at this point, what's going to happen is just calling him Joshy. Joshy. Josh, Josh. <laughs> That's it. No questions. Just we're gonna pass by every time we pass by. We go, what would Lance's variant specialize in? Like, if Lance is a variant Walker, what the fuck would his variant specialty be? Super stealthy or some shit? I mean, flipping coins. <laughs> he, he's just walking around flipping coins, picking rocks up and flicking them like they're a you coin. Know what? <laughs> to take your question really seriously for a second <laughs> sorry wouldn't it be really cool if like he was one of the like the ones we saw in the walking dead world beyond uh the series finale stinger a running strong Ooh. zombie like strong whatever like putting all your strong. weight behind shit because you don't feel it but you don't feel it so like you can use whatever you've got and he's a fresh one too so like Ooh. wouldn't that be like whoa hold on a second they could do something here Fast zombies are the most terrifying thing. If the That's zombie terrifying. apocalypse every ever really happens, I just pray to and God running. it's slow zombies. You'd break I'm your dead. bones. I'm dead right so away. Hard. I'm dead. Right, I'm too fat for that. I'm too fat. And then I'm dead. And I don't even get to live in the thing that I've just been like, yeah, let's have that happen because it seems kind of cool. <laughs> and I don't even get to live in it. I don't even get to live in it. Wow, we just we learned something. We I felt. <laughs> you know good. I've got to get I've got to get angry. I've got to get angry and yell one time, just every episode. What would your variant power be, Bridget? Mine eating. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that all their powers? Like, That's my regular like typical Walker power. Like speed it's eating, my regular though, so. powers. <laughs> like skip the chewing, just inhale. Is that what we're going with, uh, Bridget? You're putting me in this awful position um, to kind of keep going. Yeah, the only thing, I can't help myself. The only other like the only other like special <laughs> skill I have is that I can um, I can do the lipstick trick from Breakfast Club. Oh, wait, what, what is that again? Just for really? the boomer. For really? The, for, no, not for me, for like the kids. You know, they well, don't that's why I'm not going to say. It's hashtag Monopoly. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say. Kids are like, what's a, what's a Breakfast Club? <laughs> Go Look watch it, it and then you'll know, kids. And I can and also... Then, uh, no, uh, oh, I can also... I'm going to a Taylor Swift concert. Using, <laughs> using that same area of my body, I can also crush cans. But that's just a party trick. One Part, or two. And party Bridget, one can. I've never no. tried two, actually. One can with one's, with one. One's all you need. <laughs> no. No, in the middle. Oh, and it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway. Nobody else does. That's... Mitchell, Mitch, Mitchell doesn't. That's the problem. David Carranza might. <laughs> I'm not talking David about David Carranza. No, they're children. Things. They're children, and if they want to know, they can go be corrupted by that movie, not by me. Okay, so. <laughs> but you know, you know once on they that, watch the movie, agree. they're instantly going to get a, a a vision of Bridget. 
Like, oh god! Why, why did she share that publicly? Par- this is horrible. Uh, p- party Bridget, part not the party Bridget we Bridget see now. So you can always say Bridget. It's party. Oh, Bridget. you know, party Bridget. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, meanwhile, we're gonna see party Bridget this weekend. So. <laughs> that, no, that was party Bridget. She's a yeah. different person. We're gonna get. She we're is. gonna get raw. You we're gonna had, get raw on Bridget this weekend. <laughs> I, yeah, I had some a brief encounter with party Bridget. You better. She's wild. <laughs> She says like some every now and again, Party stuff. Bridget will remember she has a husband, and then like, oh yeah, oh, oh no. no, obviously I so love my right. husband. What I'm good. Is that I'm like? good. I am very, I'm very well behaved. Yes, I just you are. say really. I, that's what I'm stuff. saying. <laughs> she she has it like on a necklace. To her, it's like memento, right? She, oh no. Our, no. Look at it. He's oh gonna, yeah, I have a he's husband. Think I'm out here slutting it up. That's not what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Trav, I always have the footage that will prove the fact that I'm just I'm just fucking with you right now. If yeah, you are just, watching, she just tells drunk and elaborate I have, stories. I have the receipts of how much of a bullshitter I am right now, so don't worry. It's just me, it just doesn't yelling, make her look any better. Just about how that but, girl and her friends were so rude. Tit sweat, whatnot. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's her. Yeah. All I have to say is. I don't know if this means anything, but Maggie is referred to by Trooper 207 as 525. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't know if it means anything, especially like given the fact that Maggie is in the same truck as Rosita and Gabriel. She has a special number assigned to her. It's E-B-E Is it special though? Or is it the only one we hear? <laughs> it's the only one we hear. Mm. So maybe everyone has numbers. Maybe Rosita is five five two four and Gabe is five two three. I don't right. I don't know, but I thought that was that was a little interesting, and I, I just thought it might be worth writing it down just in case it means something later. I guess we'll find out, or we won't, and it'll be like part of my phone number. That just happens. Maybe they're stalking me. They wrote Area it code? for yeah. you. It was me. It was it was a nod for me. <laughs> Bridget, you wrote Michigan. this show, so I you put my it. phone I number put in, there. in there. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Of all the characters to associate Rachel with, Maggie, she's like upset at you now. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I know what I'll this do. This one's for you. <laughs> so first sure of all, what did you do that was so awful, Rachel, that she would do that? Be born. <laughs> Whoa! I don't know. I am a pretty pretty making awful up rivalries. Oh, Maybe it's stop uh, it. Whoa, you went that way. <laughs> like, like no, I'm like no. Bridget's the bad one, not you. <laughs> She's sticking know. it. She's <laughs> sticking it to me. No, no, but wait, that was party Bridget. So you know, it made it past okay. the editors, and <laughs> that's why I can't tell you guys just what happens because I'm drunk every time I write for them. It's also oh. why things things happen, like Maggie laying down. In the that's street. why Maggie's in the middle of the road. Yeah, <laughs> that, that explains a lot. Drunk. You must be writing for fear yep. too. <laughs> wrote all of this last season. I and think I it was, was more than alcohol, though. <laughs> um, and with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmoms here and I, Rachel Burt, and Sharon A.K. Blazing Gardner, and Bridget, who writes everything. <laughs> ko-fi.com slash punky Bruce, that's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-Y-S-E-T-E-R. If you like what you've heard, though, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Leave us five stars and eggplant. It's all we need to know that you love us. But tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us what we missed. But remember to tell us after every episode. And if you want to join in on these recording sessions, you don't need to do anything else but follow us at both or either ko-fi.com slash dead and 
patreon.com slash squawking dead that's where we post our recording schedules we don't post them on social media it is a way for you to be on the inside of some of the things that we're up to but if you'd like to take your support even further than free <laughs> and bolster what we do as a podcast, you can either buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead for 30 days of supported bad content. Or should you decide to, you can join a membership tier on either Patreon or Kofi for as little as a dollar or three dollars, depending on where you do it. <laughs> That's why we <laughs> have it priced that way. At the Walker's tier level, you get to get the unedited episode recordings for the recording sessions that you've missed early, way before they go public. You also get to be in the know for many things. You get perks right off of the bat if you're on Patreon or Kofi. You get our secret playlist of clips of the unedited episode recording sessions, as well as Discord access <laughs> off the bat, even from the lowest tier. Whispers and Survivors tier members get 50% off the merch store, get to join us in our Jackbox Games live streams. But the Survivors tier is the distinctive tier. Should you join that tier, you get to be a part of these episode breakdowns. There's only a couple of slots left at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. See what you're made of. We could find a kinship, just like Jasmine. But that's the thing. As a result of you being a survivor, you get to break down these episodes along with us. And so you get to be a part of the show in a very in-your-face, in-everybody's-face kind of way. But you don't have to do any of that. Just follow us at either Patreon or Kofi. You can join in the real-time chat as these episodes record so that you can lend your voice to our podcasts. Not just ours on the show, but ours in the audience. It's all of our podcasts. You help us succeed because we are Squawking Dead. Take care, everybody. We'll see you at the camp if you're going to be there. And if we don't see you until the viewing party, we'll see you there as well. Yeah. And the only thing I have to add to that is we'll see you next time. I hope we can get together real soon. Won't you be my neighbor? It's a weird outro. Bye. And there's a sale at a merch store. <laughs> also, Phineas Coffee. coffee. <laughs> Cue the commercial again. As you level up your podcast game with Squawking Dead, level up your coffee game. Let's go. Phineas Coffee roasts each bag to order, which means it will have optimal power when it reaches your doorstep. For coffee veterans, there's a bourbon barrel aged coffee from Guatemala. And for you coffee novices like Sharendi, Lazy Gardener, they have a cold brew with chocolate and toffee flavors. Go to PhineasCoffee.com and use the promo code Squawking Dead to get 10% off your next purchase. And now back to Squawking Dead. I don't care all day. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. I love you. Oh boy, everybody, we're racing to the end of The Walking Dead with our 206th episode covering the 21st episode of The Walking Dead's 11th and final season titled Outpost 22. Thanks so much for listening. And here is the part where we acknowledge our Survivors and Whispers tier members. It is a perk that they receive for their patronage. We love them. And so we acknowledge them. Starting with the Survivors tiers, we have at RealRyanGM on Twitter, at ElisaJones71 on Instagram, and at at jonesag6 on twitter and of course fanartlindy ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy check her stuff out she has a new art calendar coming up for the year 2023 you should definitely check it out in her Kofi shop that's ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy slash shop and moving on to our whispers to your members we're talking about 
at judith.morton on Instagram. Aiden Atkin, who is at ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin. At Tyler Phillip Cox on both Instagram and Twitter. At sandy.d.morson on Facebook. At j13voorhees on Instagram and Twitter. And at mrtnyvet on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening again. And if you haven't already, please lend us your thoughts at ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead after every episode. Tell us what we've missed. Tell us what we got right. But tell us what you thought of this episode as well. And make sure to leave your social media handle in your rating so we know who you are. We can't wait to show you the next episode, which is already in the can on ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead and patreon.com slash squawkingdead. It just needs to be edited. So consider joining one of our membership tiers for as little as a dollar a month. We'll see you in the next one. Can't wait to show you the final product. I can't wait to see some of you at That's My Viewing Party, the viewing party that that ends all viewing parties, the Walking Dead series finale party at Covington, Georgia, thrown by Anthony Collins and Nicole Pessa. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.